stop the in-game coaching mechanics and let them play. Let them use what you've taught them during the week, what they already know. Let them have fun. Don't criticize everything. Don't turn what should be a fun game into a negative experience. Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience. Stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. This is episode number seven. Just say no to coaching mechanics during the game. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. Excited to be here again this week. And today we're going to talk about just saying no to coaching mechanics during the game. So before everybody just hits stop and and deletes the podcast, um, this is definitely going to be something that I think we all struggle with. Um, I'm going to challenge the way you think. It's probably going to challenge some of what you do. And, you know, don't take it personal because I'll say this. Well, maybe you should take it personal, but I take it personal, too, because I am just as guilty as anyone. However, I've done a lot of of research and I've I've talked to a lot of uh, coaches. And when you look at dealing with youth baseball players, coaching mechanics during the game can definitely be problematic. But before I begin... Just want to hit on something from last week. So it's important to me to get the message out to as many parents, coaches, grandparents, etc., that are dealing with youth baseball players as possible. The weekly podcast episode and the article, the email that I send out will always be free. There is no charge, and I want to keep it that way. There is some cost that I incur, though, around publishing everything and and doing what I do, right? So hosting costs, there are uh, tools that I use for the podcast, equipment, um, just the time as well that I put into this. Um, And so I do it because I really enjoy it. You can ask my wife, I really do enjoy doing this. But I did launch, uh, and just quickly hit on this, I launched a premium subscription last week. You know, if you find value in everything that I've done and, and, and do, please consider doing that. It's $6 a month, 60 bucks for the year. If you want to do it that way, you get a couple months free. No pressure at all. Again, everything stays the same as is. I'm adding an additional private weekly podcast for premium subscribers. You'll get access to my uh, private parent uh, coach Facebook group where it'll just be me and you and there's no you know advertisements. It's, it's a closed group. Um, also, I'm working on some guides around off-season work and how to tr- make the transition from uh, coach pitch to player pitch and just different things. Um, all that will become accessible for premium subscribers. So get elbowup.com. That's G E T elbowup.com. You can find it there. And again, no pressure, but if you do find value and you're able, please consider becoming a premium subscriber. All right. So before we begin, I just want to say, so most of these episodes I've planned out pretty well. And while I don't read from a script, I do have an outline that I follow. Um, and one thing I want to incorporate is recapping the previous weekend. Cause I think most of everything I encounter, you guys probably see as well. So, um, you know, the purpose of this is not to call anybody out. You know, I, I, I guess technically maybe it is, um, in a non-personal way. 
Um, I know that I'm guilty of almost every, almost everything that I talk about. Now, I don't think I've ever done this one. I mean, I, in fact, I know I haven't. Um, but most of the things that I say on here, it's, it's certainly coming from a place of I've been there, I've done that, I got the t-shirt, and I'm not doing it again. Um, and so keep that in mind. But we, my, our nine-year-old team, we've got maybe one more. We had two more tournaments left for the fall. And we played in one yesterday. It was a one-day tournament. And we're nine. We played up in a 10U tournament here locally. So we go out. We play our first pool play game. We win. Um, and so then we made it to the top bracket. <clears throat> I think we were the number two seed overall. Um, and then w- there was only four teams in the top bracket and four teams in the bottom. That's how they do it around here a lot of times. It just gets everybody extra games. Um, and tries to group like teams. Doesn't always work out. But anyway, we won the next game as well. So um, next thing we know, we're in the championship game and we're playing a team. I won't name names or anything because I'm sure people in the area probably know who they are. Um, great, great guys. Uh, we interacted with the coaches. We actually ended up losing six to five. Uh, we were down six to two going into the last, the bottom of the last inning. And um, we scored three runs and just couldn't uh, push another run across. But what I really want, there's two things I want to point out that one I've talked about lately and one I haven't. So, you know, the last out of the game, we tried to steal second base um, and we got thrown out. And it's easy to point at that one thing. Well, should we have done that? Should we not have done that? But as you look back through the game, we had an out at home that we tried to get on a um, wild pitch. You know, should, that, should we have gone? Should we not have? We had a, two or three errors. Um, a couple, I think, that maybe cost us a run. So just again, focus on the entirety of the game. Um, very rarely does that one mistake, and it wasn't even a mistake. Honestly, it was a, it was a good baseball play. I mean, we've got to work on maybe getting a better jump, but it wasn't just that kid. It's, it's um, half our team at, at nine-year-old. Um, but anyway, it, you know, it is what it is. That's baseball. But the other thing, and this just blew me away, but obviously the, the team that we were playing had had an entire year to, to do player pitch ahead of us. And we were overmatched. Um, they hit the ball a little better than we did. And their pitcher, um, I don't know if he was their ace or what, but he was, he was pretty good. He threw maybe, if he was on our team, he would probably have the second most velocity. Um, we have one kid who's just a freak of nature uh, for, for a nine-year-old and throws pretty hard. But he, he was a good – this guy was a good pitcher, and he earned the win. Uh, he pitched a complete game. Here's the thing, 93 pitches. Now, sure, he's had an entire year um, to maybe work up his pitch count. So it's not like he's us where he's just starting in the fall. But, guys, I don't know that I – I mean, I would not want my 18-year-old throwing 93 pitches in the high school season unless it was a specific situation. So, for example, if it's the playoffs and it's a must-win game and we're out of pitching and he's doing well deep in the game and, you know, we leave him in every once in a while, I could maybe be okay with it. Um, you barely see that. Now, there are some big league guys that go that, go that much, but but – I, I guess what I'm saying is I couldn't believe, um, and I don't know if maybe they just had to leave him in because he was their best shot at winning. I don't know if maybe they had thrown everybody else they had in the first two games of the day. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say what the guy was doing. Um, and, and, and the pitcher seemed to do fine. But, guys, long term, 
um, that's not going to be good. And I have a feeling that that probably happens more than, more than it doesn't. Um, so pay attention to pitch counts. There are guidelines. Um, I've covered that on previous podcasts. Uh, I'm, I'll put something out um, shortly um, where maybe you guys can, can link to it. Um, and it's not an exact science. So again, certain guys can throw more than others. Um, depending on how long they've been throwing, how old they are, nine-year-old versus a 14-year-old. So it's not like everybody has to fit into this box. But nobody under the age of 16, 17 should throw 93 pitches. And even at that age, it should be very rare and for specific situations. So uh, just wanted to call that out. You know, I'm going to try to share a story or something that we did or saw over the prior weekend moving forward on these podcasts. All right, let's jump into the content today. I'll make this fairly quick because I'm already about eight minutes in and I try to keep these less than 20 minutes. Um, If you have feedback on that and you think they should be shorter, uh, shoot me an email, shoot me a note, comment on the website um, and let me know that as well. This is all for you. So I don't want to be recording 20 minute episodes if you'd rather have 10. All right, so today I'm going to talk about in-game coaching. And this is something we're all guilty of, every single one of us, me included. And I've actually done better uh, in the last few months recently. I think part of doing this podcast and, and, and writing for Elbow Up actually helps hold me accountable because I can't do one thing and say another or say one thing and do another. Um, we all have the best intentions. Unfortunately, we're really not helping when we do this. We're hurting. So... How many of you, and I've got my hand already raised, how many of you, when your son or your players are hitting, you say, scoot up in the box, scoot back in the box, widen your stance, get your elbow up, move towards the pitcher, get closer to the plate, you're pulling your head out, get your, do this with your hands, do that with your hands. Um, I hear, I see that every weekend. And again, I've been, I've been super guilty of that. Um, but I'm just going to challenge you today that let's let's hit the pause button on that and kind of break that down, right? So generally speaking, practice, and not necessarily even team practice, but individual practice, so T-work, uh, batting practice, is when you work on mechanics. So what you want to do is you want to work on mechanics in your, in your practice, in your workouts, so that when you get in the game, you don't have to worry about it. Because here's the thing, when you're in coach pitch and I'm throwing the ball in there and I'm putting it right where the kid wants it at, the, at a good speed for him, then I might be able to get by with kind of telling him a few things because the ball hopefully is going to be about in the same spot and I'm wanting him to hit it. But as you get into the game of baseball, you know, it, it's, it's more of a hitting and pitching is more of a chess match. It's a battle. Every single at bat is a battle. And so As a hitter, you should be looking to see the ball. You should be looking to recognize the pitch, the speed of the pitch, the type of pitch. Now, obviously, at nine, you don't see much other than fastball. But as you get older, 10, 11 especially, definitely 12, especially the more competitive you're playing, you're going to see some change-ups. You're going to see some breaking balls. You're going to have different situations. So when I get my kid, think about this. What's happening now for a lot of our young players is – they're getting up to bat, and we've already told them in the on-deck circle to work on their timing and take some practice swings and pay attention. And then they get up to the plate, and we've told them to look at us and get their sign. And so now they got a runner on first, and we've given him the steal sign, so we want our batter to take. So he's thinking about all of that. And then he has to get in there, and he's got to get in his, his stance. 
And now all of a sudden he hears the coach or he hears the dad from the backstop telling him what to do with his feet and his hands and his elbow and his shoulder and his hips and his head. And meanwhile, he's trying to focus on what the coach had told him. Right now, this gets exponentially harder when you start facing pitchers who throw multiple pitches. This gets exponentially harder when you have situational hitting. Right. So um, most of you at the young ages are still at a point where you're just getting in there and trying to hit the ball hard somewhere. And that's fine. But when you are in a game and you got nobody out and runner on second, or maybe there's less than two outs and a runner on third, the situation changes, right? And so I want my batters focusing on the situation. I want them making sure that they're getting the sign, that they're focused on seeing the ball and hitting the ball, right? Not all the different mechanical tweaks that they can do. Because trust me, imagine somebody, I've heard this, I'm not the first person to say this, but imagine sitting at work and having somebody, your boss or somebody else looking over your shoulder and every single keystroke, every single time you do this, every single time you do that, they're telling you what to do. And so now you're trying to remember, you know, 15 different things. Just imagine being a nine-year-old facing a pitcher that's throwing it up there pretty good and now all of a sudden they've got their dad behind the backstop and they're coaching the on-deck circle and honestly probably another coach yelling at them too. And I think what, what we don't realize, and I, I did not, my entire time coaching my older son, I did this to some degree, maybe not as bad as what I just explained. But I see this multiple times every weekend, so this is not something that's rare. But I don't think what we realize is how we're turning that into such a negative experience. It's almost a constant negative experience. Because in addition to having to focus on what they're doing, now they're, they're, they're a failure. It's a negative thing. They didn't do this right. They didn't do that right. And so our intention is to help them. But I think what actually what they, so what, what, we, what we say and what we mean is to help them, right? But what they hear and what they feel is us saying, you didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. So you got to do it better. And so now you need to focus on these four things. By the way, you need to see which kind of pitch he's throwing. Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it curving? Is it not? Oh, don't forget, you need to hit behind the runner. Oh, no, take this pitch and then hit behind the next runner. So again, I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out because I'm just as guilty, but this is something that's happening. So I was doing some research for this podcast and I came across a website called thinkster.io. So it has nothing to do with baseball, but it's the, the tagline on the website is um, a better way to learn. And um, I just found this honestly by chance through a Google search, but Yogi Berra, uh, if, if you know who that is, um, famous baseball player, but is, is known for making comments and statements that just kind of make you say, what? But he is, um, there's a quote that's often attributed to Yogi Bear that says, you can't think and hit at the same time. And I actually believe that. So yes, you have to think about certain things, but you have to be thinking about the right things. So um, what we should be doing is working on the mechanics at home. So T work, right? So hitting, um, I was talking to, a buddy of mine who um, whose son is on the team. He was he's a former college player, coach, athletic director, um, and actually going to have him on the podcast soon. We were talking about it, and he said, "You know, hitting is um, real. It's really made up of two things, right? So there's the mechanics, the actual swing, and there's timing. 
and the mechanics you can work on a T. So there's other ways to do it, right? But basically you can work on mechanics off of a T all day long. You can work out the mechanics. That's where you talk about your elbow and your hips and your head and your knees and your feet and your legs and your weight, everything. Right. And then the timing aspect of it can either be live pitching, uh, front toss, side toss, um, something where they're working on timing and timing changes, right? So a timing is different facing an 80 mile an hour fastball versus a 90 or in nine year olds, it's different with a 40 mile an hour fastball and a guy who's throwing 55, but the mechanics never change, but you can't work on mechanics during the game when the kid's trying to compete and he's got a million things going on. I found, I found another reference that I wanted to mention over at a website called LiveScience.com, And there there's all kinds of, um, references, uh, in the article, but the, the point was that the human body, the human brain can only focus on so many things at once, right? And so um, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. And obviously there are extreme ends of the spectrum. So there are those, those people who are just, their memory is ridiculous and they can remember, you know, 53 uh, string character numbers um, just like that, no problem, right? But that's not the most of us. And so um, I'll read from this. It says, researchers have often debated the maximum amount of items we can store in our conscious mind in what's called our working memory. And a new study puts the limit at three or four. Now, tell me, how is a 9, 10, 11, 12, 7, 8-year-old baseball player supposed to remember 17 different things, right? No wonder they struggle. So here's the thing. Um, The point of this is to encourage you to do two things. At the games, back off and let them play. That's not the time to teach most of the things. Now, there are situational things that come up in games. I like to do Uh, If somebody gets out or makes an error, does something wrong, like a situational type thing, I like to to talk about it in a positive way as it happens. The other thing is you can write it down. So so you don't want to talk about 12 different things during a game, right? But one or two things, depending on how big it is. I talked in in a few episodes ago about uh, taking notes. So you definitely want to take notes. But for certain things, you certainly can talk through as it happens. Um, but for the most part, we want to stay away from mechanics unless it's just going to hurt them um, or it's egregious and it's one thing. You want to stay away from the coaching mechanics during the game. Now, what that means is you have to spend the time away from the game. So you have to take some time during the week to take BP. You have to take some time during the week to focus on um, the swing, the mechanics of the swing. This, goes, this is the same thing for pitching. You cannot, and as a former pitcher, I'm telling you, especially as you start getting into the game more. Look, the, the, the early guys are, are super nervous. They're afraid to mess up. You get a runner on base, and now they're looking, you know, do I step off? Do I pick? How do I pick? Do I pick? Oh, my gosh, I got to throw a strike. I just threw five straight balls. And now you're going to start telling them what to do about their stride foot or they're opening their hips too early or they're, they're flying open on the front side or they're not bringing their arm back correctly or how they're holding the ball guys that's not going to work and you're just going to frustrate them more let them do it and then we work on that um, outside 
So a perfect example, I, I'm always going to try to make this personal because again, I'm, I'm not some professional guy selling courses that has all the answers. Um, my son who, who's on this 9U team, um, as I said before, he's a good ball player, but he has struggled as of late at the plate. And so on a tee, he looks like a, a batting tee national champion. Um, he's locked in. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, it's just – it's really good, especially relative to in a game. He gets in a game, and it looks like he forgot how to hit. And it, it's not that he's not capable, but frankly, I think he's thinking about too much because for, for a long time I would psych him out before he got up there. So now I tell him to go up and just hit it. Um, however, what we have been doing during the week is focusing on – so his is a timing issue, right? So – the, the, the mechanical part of his swing is actually pretty good on a tee, but then in a game, the timing messes him up. So instead of like a load, he has no load and he's lunging at the ball. He's trying to meet it, trying to go get it. Um, and, and to me, I don't think that's a mechanical issue. It, it really is a mechanical issue, but it's caused by a timing issue. And so I was talking to the coach, the, the friend of mine who was a, the, the coach, and he was talking, that's where we had the, the, the mechanics and the timing conversation. And he said, well, you're working on T all week during the week. And that's good because he's got his swing down. The problem is you never work on timing. And so when his timing's off, his mechanics are going to be off. So we've been for the last couple of weeks working on timing. And so this week he actually struggled from kind of a, a, a result standpoint. But if, you, if you've listened to me before, I talk a lot about focus on the process and not the results. So he had several walks this weekend. He fouled some balls off, but he didn't get a hit and had several strikeouts. But when he came off, he had his head up and I said, look, buddy, we're making progress. And I videoed it um, because after, you know, he likes to see and that's the best way for me to actually show what he did. But his swing was actually really good. So for the most part, he had a few where he didn't, but for the most part, it was like night and day over the last tournament two weeks ago. And it's because we spent a lot of time during the week working on it. And then I went out there and just let him do it. And so we're going to continue to do that. And now once we've worked on the timing with some front toss and some side toss, we'll actually incorporate more live BP, which hopefully will help him on that contact and, and seeing a pitch out of a pitcher's hand. So, you know, I'll, I'll continue to update you guys on how that goes. But the, the purpose today is really just to encourage you stop the in-game coaching mechanics for the most part and let them play. Let them use what you've taught them during the week, what they already know. Let them have fun. Don't criticize everything. Don't turn what should be a fun game into a negative experience.